out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Thank you, Jim, for that wise, wise words. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. This is David Eastall. As you know, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of the drummer, Murray Dalgleish, one-time member of the Jesus and Mary team in the very early years, very early years. And after a bit of casual chat where we got to know each other, we bonded. Um, yes, then we had problems with the phone reception. Then he moved rooms or spaces in the room and uh, it was much better. Hurrah! So this is the interview and this is where we got began by talking, after talking about the reception, about the musical scene in the early 70s and this was Murray's response. Murray, it's over to you. Yeah, it, early 70s for me, more, um, I don't, early early to mid 70s, that would be when I would start getting into um, getting into music um, for myself. Um, so I did see like um, T-Rex and all these kind of Bowie stuff early on, um, the sweet. Yes, and did you and did you have a moment where you saw Alex Harvey and think, "Blimey, that's that's another that's not that's not your normal sort of top ten chart sort of hit." I, do you know? I, I, I probably may have whatever it was with Alex Harvey. It probably didn't hit me at all until later, until later on. Right. Um, I, yeah. I've probably seen it. It's hard to work out nowadays what you did see and what you didn't because you've watched so much YouTube and it kind of blurs the yes the area from what you have seen and what you haven't seen and but at the at the correct time. I know. But my, my main thing probably for 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 memory from um, would definitely have been seeing the, the pistols and stuff like that. Um, yeah. The the damned. Um, definitely seen them on top of the pops, and having yes, because I because because I suppose I, I was actually born in '64, so I was in that kind of generation who, yeah, that early glam. But then you know, obviously being on the school bus, going sort of I don't know four miles down the road, listening to Radio One, which seemed to be on, on at that time. You know, there was all the usual, you know bubblegum pop which you know in a way was quite good though you know at the same time you're always a bit curious what what else was happening so you did have sort of people like i don't know the bay city rollers were huge weren't they at that time and then it was sort yeah, of yeah you know Susie quattro and all these kind of things as well Susie quattro um, yes yeah, so she did look very rock and roll and uh, devil gate drive was was a kind of a great song so you know up to about sort of 75 it was kind of very obsessed about you know that top 10 top 20 stuff and listen to the radio on a sunday evening to hear what songs had gone up two places or gone one down one place was was bizarrely thrilling and then you know that was complemented with top of the pops on a thursday evening so um yes there weren't a, what was quite interesting there weren't a lot of different avenues or outlets to sort of hear that much different music so we all kind of were funneled into the same arena really yeah I was too young. I'm 67. I was born, so I wasn't able to go out to to see bands until a little bit later. Um, definitely wasn't able to go to clubs, uh, which was something when I hit about 15. Yes. Um, that was that was where I started to get into a kind of strange and weird world of um, 
by that time the punk thing had more or less finished and so it was a goth scene that kind of came about that where I did see a lot of bands um, from they were quite small at the time who became big um, the cult um, Theatre Hate um, I've seen Hanoi Rocks quite a lot Johnny Thunders I've seen a couple of times Um yeah, like I, I did go and see bands almost every week to a point where once again that gets a bit blood to who I, who I seen and when I saw them as well. Yes. So were you growing up in Glasgow at that stage? Yeah, I lived in East Kilbride. Right. So you, you know, because I come from, we're from East Anglia, so, you know, it was kind of a bit harder sometimes to get to see clubs, um, gigs because of being stuck in the country and having to come into a city and then sort of trying to sort of get home at night and all that. It wasn't always that easy, but I could, I can see that if you were in a city, you know, it was probably a lot better to sort of, yeah, to go to those kind of evenings where they were putting on sort of indie punk goth nights, which was... Um, yeah. Which happened. Well, East Kilbride's on, East Kilbride's on the outskirts of Glasgow. Yes. Um, nowadays, it only takes oh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to get into the city centre um, because I drive. Um, otherwise, though, back in the day, I would have got the, the bus. So that would have been the best part of an hour. That was and great. by the time, um, at that, that kind of time, that was the era when bands didn't even come on till midnight i know that was that was so, quite, that was quite a late night actually it was like i actually missed uh, there was recently i went to, went to see i think it was a couple of years ago jesus and the mary chain at the waterfront and i turned up and they were on the encore and i was like oh I, yeah i've missed i've actually missed the band i felt so embarrassed i didn't even go in for the encore i just thought i'm just going home quickly and trying not to look um too stupid which was difficult but yes it has changed a lot actually so then as as we trucked into the 80s you know at that kind of great time where you know thatcherism was kind of taking hold and, and there and there was like there was a lot of unemployment and a lot of bands i've interviewed have mentioned that they you know they were unemployed during that period so they were kind of claiming job seekers allowance or enterprise allowance you know being in the band was kind of like well there was nothing else to do so what was your sort of period of the early 80s like i was still at school right so early 80s was good um, eight, up to 1984 um and then summer of 84 that's when i met up with the, the boys from the mary chain yes um although it was a short-lived um period for me um Funny enough, you, you you mentioned unemployment. Um, so I think around about the September time, I actually got offered a job. So I, I had been with them since the begin the early May June time. Um, pretty quickly done the couple of gigs um, down south, played in Glasgow, back down south again. Um, I think I think I can't remember if we went through twice or three times, but on the third occasion, um, by that time I had been offered a job, um, and because of were like hen's teeth, um, it was an apprenticeship, um, and the advice from my dad would have been, you know, you can always go back to music, um, and I thought, right, okay, so I took the apprenticeship, left the Jesus Mary chain, and then. Uh, took the apprenticeship. Yes, but pretty much not long after that, I joined another band called Baby's Got a Gun with a couple of friends who 
Um, I, when I went to school with him, one lived just around the corner from me. Um, but that ended up being a band who kind of rehearsed in Edinburgh. Right. So they moved over to Edinburgh and I still stayed in East Kilbride. Um, luckily, the company I worked for gave me a bus pass. So I was able to travel for free uh, between Edinburgh and East Kilbride. Yes. Um, so I'd done that for a, about another two, two and a half years after after leaving the marriage chain. So as much as I'd left, uh, I have, it was a point when the Mary, when I left the marriage chain, they weren't particularly signed to creation. So that's about the, the story of Alan saying, oh, I'm going to sign you. As you could see from, they've only, they've only done the one single with them. There wasn't really a, you know, anything definite there. Um, so, yeah, uh, there was nothing solid about it. Um, so I took took the apprenticeship. But yes, what was your can, pre- can, what was your apprenticeship in? Um, a coach builder, right. buses. Excellent. Well, you know, your dad was probably quite a practical person. Probably thought this is a good idea. Get it under your yeah. belt. So um, yes, and when you you know like that early sound of the band, did you was it kind of did you feel like you were on a bit of a mission? Did it feel like almost like what the Sex Pistols must have felt like when they started? To be honest, um, see, I, I just turned 16. Um, but an adventure more than a mission. Going down to, uh, going down to London and stuff. Um, you know, and it's kind of well documented. Um, William was... Uh, Almost nine. He's to work out actually nine years and three hundred and sixty-four days older than me. His birthday's the twenty-eighth of October. Mine's the twenty-seventh. I didn't know. All I found that out about four years ago. Um, and well, we, uh, Jim was a bit younger, and then Douglas was the youngest above me. But there was still a good gap of at least three years between myself and Douglas. In, in 1984, that was a huge gap. Yes, absolutely. Was... You didn't even speak to someone in, in, in the year above you at school, never mind someone that was at least three years older than you. Yes, it feels like a big thing. Yeah. Yes. At the time it was. At the time. <laughs> now that we're all growing up and uh, when, when we see each other, it's like it just feels as if you're the same age, which is crazy, but... I know. Well, now, now, if you were born in the same decade, you basically, you know, with a with time, the passing of time, it doesn't seem that much of a different thing. So then, you know, from sort of going from Jesus and the Mary Chain to Baby's Got a Gun, how how long were you in that particular band for? Because that that yeah. sort of actually was that did sort of last a bit longer, didn't it? For you, yeah, yeah. So the fact that we were doing gigs at the weekend um, and the odd gig during the week, which they were still in Scotland. There wasn't that major necessity to give up your job situation. Um, we did do a couple of London gigs um, and played kind of further up north in Scotland. Um, as I said, these were guys, as I said, Richie and I were at school together um, and Gary, um, the singer, lived around the corner from where I stayed in Greenhouse and it was his girlfriend played bass um, 
And that also took us to Belgium um, with the band called the Bollock Brothers. And the, real, the reason that I ended up leaving them was that I had actually met my now wife at that point. So when it came to the almost the end of my apprenticeship, um, I decided to go off in Belgium. Wow. So there you go. That was the end of that band. Well, they continued. Um, they got in um, a new drummer, Billy Duncanson, and um, they continued for quite a while. They, um, they were doing quite well for a while. And then they became, they changed their name to the Bleeding Hearts. And laterally, there was a, they, they stopped playing for a while and then laterally they became back as a band called the Heavy Drapes. Um, and they continued and they were getting very, very, they were about to be the next big punk band in Britain lately. Um, and unfortunately, Gary passed away. Um, and... It was devastating to all of us. Mm-hmm. God, that is a bit, that is um, quite hard going. So then what happened when you were sort of, did you then at that stage sort of give up playing for a bit? Hey, I was eight, the 18 months that I stayed in Belgium, I kind of gave up, um, came back and I, my best friend that, that before I had left um, was a boy called Andy Methon. Um, so when we come back over, Sophie and I, my wife, um, come back over. Well, we waited a wee while, then we got married. And then we started a band. Sophie was a singer. My brother played bass. Uh, Andy was my guitarist. And we had a couple of on-off different guys playing guitar, uh, second guitar. Um, and that lasted, that lasted for about a year or so. And I think, we, in fact, yeah, we done one gig. That was it, one gig, and then it all finished. Yeah. Um, so actually, after that, that was me for quite a while. Um, I was actually involved in a bad motorcycle accident. Um, I broke my leg and shattered my kneecap and tore all the muscles off the top of my leg, and uh, I was quite a bit, bit of a mess. So I didn't play. Fifteen, possibly even twenty years, um, and then I started to roadie for one of my friends um, was a manager of a, a a young band, sixteen, seventeen year old guys, and I was drum roadieing, so I set up the drum kit for a young boy who was sixteen year old, um, who turned around and said to me, "Oh, you you bass drums a bit off." And I thought, if you've seen the state of my kneecap, <laughs> you would know why. <laughs> um, so he put me into that way where, oh, that's me, I'm giving up, I'm never playing again. Um, the 16-year-old kid telling me that. Fortunately for me, the, the 16-year-old kid um, is now uh, a teacher, a college lecturer. He's that good, a drummer. So he was, able, he was only pointing out a, a nanosecond of lag rather than uh, you can't play drums type thing. So yes. uh, so eventually, um, what happened next? Yeah, I bumped into a couple of friends. And in amongst 
the time I've always I was always still friends with Andy. We were always talking about getting something together again. Um, bumped into another friend that used to kind of uh, live in East Kilbride, um, and he was kind of thinking of doing something. I didn't want to do it serious, so I organised to do a charity event um, for um, testicular cancer. Um, so, jokingly, we made, called the band the Sucks Pastels because we're old men, yes. and and the the gig we called it Never Forget the Bollocks. You know, nice. the Sucks Pastels. <laughs> yes, it all makes sense. So we done we did that. Um, meant to be a one-off gig, and that lasted for almost three years. Um, unfortunately, um, the singer ended up with polyps in his throat. So at that point, we kind of threw the tool in for that one. Um, I joined another band for a while. Um, that changed its name and it went back to being about a band that had, had already been up and coming. Right. But nothing worked. It just, it just wasn't going to work. Um, you know, personalities within the band wanting to be, you know, wanting to have a leader. I want to be a leader was probably the, the way it kind of dissolved the band. Um, so that made me want to well actually Andy was still Andy has been all these bands with me Andy and I were still going to move forward and Kevin the the bass player in that band um, he wanted to do something with us as well and then we picked up um, our singer um, John picked him up because we'd known him since we were well Kevin had known him for longer than I had but I've known him since I was about 14, 15 um, hadn't seen him for thirty years probably, um, and then we just got got back together. Well, went in the studio uh, to see how it would go, and we've never looked back. So we're, we're called the Two Sevens, um, which is kind of written Two Sevens. Yeah, um, it was stolen from the originally we used the sign of the Seven Eleven, the convenience stores in America. Yes. Um, but we also were able to use the 77 from 1977, so we kind of, we see ourselves as being a more, more influenced by the sound of 77 than the UK 82 sound of punk. Yeah, absolutely. And how does that feel sort of being back on, and back on stage again? Because one thing I've noticed from interviewing a lot of people, that a lot of bands have a kind of a five-year narrative where, you know, a group, mostly quite young kind of get together and they sort of um, think we're going to be in a band you know this is especially from the 80s and and if they were unemployed there's not much else to do so it's like yeah this is a good idea and then you know they kind of create a sound do a single John Peel would play it then they'd have the John Peel session that first album things going well then second album mm, sometimes not so good if anybody ever tours America it's sort of a bit of a disaster and they come back and think that's it I'm forgetting it um, and then they have this huge <laughs> it's sort of like only 20 or 30 years and then slowly get back into playing music again so you've you had some sort of similar experiences but you were in money you know a lot more in, different in, in very in a much smaller scale <laughs> i've never really kind of certainly didn't do 
um, a John Peel session. I did meet, I did hand him a cassette once um, down in Islington. Right. Um, him and um, oh, what was the, the man that he worked with? John, it was John Walters. John Walters. Yeah, John. handed him a cassette and I didn't really want to talk to him. I just handed him it and said, there you go, and walked away. Right. Um, I think maybe he's got a gun. I think they'd done a session with him maybe a year, two years after I had left. Right. Um, but... Um, no, I, I never got to that. Never got to that stage. So basically, I had uh, upside down played on that for the Mary Chain. Yeah. Then um, Suicide Girl with Baby's Got a Gun. Um, done a couple of demos with the other bands that I played in, and when Sucks Pastels, about two EPs. Um, yes. General Chaos EP and uh, Final Days. So that was, yes. But then, you know, you, you obviously, and have you found sort of, you know, how's your hearing? You know, because being a drummer, often people... <laughs> yeah, definitely, almost definitely one ear. Um, not, not, not almost. I think I've got 40% and gone, gone in my... Um, my left ear. Similarly, my right ear's fine, but um, I don't know. It's been a while since I've been tested again. So. Yes. And have you sort of, you know, I mean, what would you say to, a, you know, kind of a, a, your 18-year-old self starting out sort of playing music? Because obviously you've had quite a you know, lot of decades and a lot of different bands that you've been sort of in. I just wondered if there was anything you think, God, actually, this would have been a really good thing to have known when I started. I think you know I don't think so. I think everything that I've done has happened. It's, you know, it's, it's went and been for a reason. Um, I don't really think that, um, that there's anything else I could have done different. Yes. And John, I mean, you know, as as a drummer, do you sort of have you sort of kind of changed your style over that? I mean, you had the accident, but I just wondered if you... yeah, yeah, I was I was a lot better when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just wondered yeah. how, what, it, what it's like when you're sort of still playing and, and you're sort of bumping into people, from, you know, from the past as well, sort of, and and how you sort of, because kind of you get all these kind of punk weekends or rock weekends and pop weekends. And obviously, you know, when you're young and you're in a band, you're in a bit of a gang, but then, you know, and everyone's a bit sort of insular. But then when you sort of start to sort of get, get through the decades and you sort of bump into people again, you know, you know, attitudes change. I just wondered if you sort of also sort of bump into members from the past and just, yes, have a quite a nice chat about life and how things have turned out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see some guys that I was at school with. Um, in fact, I was out, hadn't been out for a long time. I used to be out on a Tuesday night um, every week with these guys. And then I started rehearsing with the bands. And unfortunately, it fell on a Tuesday night. So I didn't. I wasn't able to go for a few years. Um, we'd maybe meet up at Christmas and stuff, but this year met up at Christmas and we always have the same conversation about all the bands. Um, how I was a weirdo at school. I was a, they were kind of, um, I suppose that in the later days they were into the Smiths and the Bunnymen, but I was into Bauhaus and the alien sex scene, the specimen. Um, so I dressed a bit like that, going to school. Um, and they were all wearing their um, their dad's um, coats and uh, winkle pickers. 
Yeah. With a with a kind of floppy hair, where I was maybe wearing a biker jacket, leather trousers, and um, my hair all crimped and all that kind of stuff. And they used to used to kind of. I thought they were ripping the the piss out of me. Um, so when I when I left school, I kind of went a different path from them. I'm not saying I fell out of them, but I just drifted to a different path and going to different clubs and stuff. Um, but lately, found out that all the bands that I did like, they started to like them themselves. Yes, well, I know. Really. So. I was going to say music was so tribal. I was thinking about this the other week, actually. Music was so tribal. You couldn't, even if you quite liked, liked, I don't know, I just, I grew up in an area where it was a bit heavy metal and everyone loved status quo. If you said anything about status quo, you'd get beaten up. And, you know, occasionally you think, oh, I quite like the latest album by The Beat. But then you realise, oh my God, that's mod. If I say, if I mention that out loud, you'd sort of get thumped by somebody or, or threatened. It was it was kind of odd, but you didn't, you know, you couldn't sort of admit like, oh yeah, I quite like Mirror in the Bathroom because it was like, you're a mod. You know, oh no, 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 I hate it really. But yeah, so it was a very tribal time. You couldn't really sort of, because actually I, I suppose I was an indie kid and goth looked a bit like, what the hell? And then, you know, I've listened to quite recently, you know, those bands you mentioned like Bauhaus and Alien Sex Fiend and, thinking actually they're all right really aren't they but you know it was just like I, I I couldn't get over I suppose I didn't get past the image and I probably wasn't going to dress like that so somehow it, the, fu- the funny thing for me now is that I can't listen to them <laughs> yet my friends are like oh yeah they asked me do you want to go and see Bauhaus and I'm like no I saw them in 82 or 83 um <laughs> I don't want to go and see them now yes um and they're like really excited they were going to see them. Um, I thought, all right, he used to rip the piss out of me, but for for um, for going to well, for going to see them or having their albums and stuff. So um, yeah, but yeah, that kind of in nineteen eighty two, eighty three, when when they were you know they were taking the land of me. Um, that was it's quite funny when now when I speak to them, the the narrative from them is. Yeah, we done that to you because we were jealous. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, that you, that you you were going into town and going to see all these cool bands, and we were stuck in East Kilbride until we were a little bit older. So, and to be honest, it was probably best to remember them from 1982 than see them in three months' time struggling on stage, looking a bit sort of, I don't know. It could go either way, can't it? Seeing, seeing, yep. your, seeing your favourite band reform, you know. I mean, to be honest, I was a huge Smiths fan, and the one thing you'd never want as a Smiths fan, for many reasons, is to see them reform, <laughs> and they, it never will. But in a way, you know, it'd be like, actually, you just want to remember them as they were back then. And even though, you know, I, like you, I probably don't play the music so much as I used to, um, you know, I still have a sort of... They still, It still makes me smile as long as I can remember it from that period and not think about... How it all turned yeah, out. It, the funniest thing about back in, back in those days as well is that you remember the songs that you never liked, ever, <laughs> and never were going to admit to it, ever in your life. Yes. You think, how do I know all the words to that song? <laughs> I know. Well, it's funny. It's it's kind of it, one of the people I interviewed was Les from the Bay City Rollers, which was quite amusing because it's like I didn't you know, obviously like the band, but I was sort of fascinated with the story of the Bay City Rollers and, and to sort of have an interview with him was quite amazing because obviously that, that kind of narrative went 
so bad into you know and and again yeah. you think god i i you know obviously those songs as a t- from being 10 or 12 at the time probably 8 or 10 you know are ensconced in my brain you know alongside people like sweet and the gary gary glitter and stuff like that and so but it's kind of interesting when you think, God, yes, of course, you know, of course I would remember those songs as soon as, you know, as soon as you start to think about it, you think, oh, yeah, they're all there, aren't they? I can't remember what I did two weeks ago, but my God, I can remember what happened in 1973. So, yes. Well, you, you mentioned the basic rollers. Um, in East Bride, there used to be a factory that made tartan. And... Um, it used to be quite funny because all the, the girls, boys as well, I suppose, would be down there at night time and rake about in the bins to get bits of tartan to sew onto, their, onto the side of their trousers and stuff like that. Excellent. It was, a, it was called, I think this, the place was called Laird Porch. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm pretty sure it was called Laird Porch. And that was that was the home. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes, I could imagine because for for about two years, I suppose there was probably a, a tartan shortage, wasn't there? <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> Which was quite amazing. Yes, it was probably quite amazing. And that, sadly, dear listener, is the end of the interview. Thank you for listening. If you still are, well done. Um, that was uh, Murray Douglish, drummer of the Jesus and Mary Chain from the very early years and various other bands as well. A huge thank you for Murray for uh, giving me the time for that interview. Um, much appreciated. If you want to contact me for whatever reason, well, make it nice anyway. It's been a bit of a strange year, hasn't it? Um, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Inst- Instagram, just do at C86show. Thank you. And also, yes, all these shows have been podcasts, so you can find them on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify. What more do you want? Anyway, stay safe. Speak soon.